Hey folks, welcome to the Am I Called podcast. This is Dave Harvey, and I am sitting at our lead pastors and wives retreat in what should be sunny Naples, Florida, but it's not sunny right at the moment. No. Uh, but what I'm most excited about is joining me today. First is Jamin Stinziano. So Jamin is the lead pastor of Summit Church, and that's the pastor that that's the church that Kim and I are now residing in where I get to be a, a teaching pastor. So Jamin, great to have you with us. Great to be here. And Jamin and I are here to interview a guy named Ronnie Martin, one of my favorite people to talk to. And wow, that's, uh, that's nice. a big, yeah, that's a really a big It is. Well, we'll see how it, how it works out. See <laughs> if it's not the same at the end of the interview. About me, yeah. So if uh, Ronnie's name sounds familiar at all, it's because Ronnie is uh, not only a church planter and a pastor at Substance Church, but Ronnie is an author. So he's authored a couple of books. One's called Finding God in the Dark. And another is called Stop Your Complaining. And then you just had a recent one released, right? Called Brad, Bradzilla? Yeah, The Bradzilla of Christ. Okay. Yeah, it came out last year. And, uh, and we may have time to get into that. But Ronnie's also a writer for Gospel Coalition. And he writes regularly for amicalled.com. And I'm really thrilled about that. Ronnie, it's great to have you with us. Thanks for having me, man. So, Ronnie, you're, uh, you're kind of a fascinating guy. I mean, you're... Oh. you're your first encounter in the public eye was not in ministry at all, was it? You you were in yeah. the music world, and you were in a band. We were talking about this just earlier, but the band was called Joy Electric. Yeah. And uh, Jamin, you were saying that you were a teenager listening to this band. Is yeah, that right? I was a teenager, late high school, early college, and yeah. uh, there was a group of kids in my youth group that I probably wasn't a part of, but they really, really... Um, were known for their love of your music, mm, and I enjoyed nice. it as well. But I, Thanks. I was not part of that that so crowd. That click, tell whatever us the, it was. Tell yeah. us the Joy Electric story. Well, yeah. So we uh, we we came along in uh, in the early '90s, and really, uh, the story has a lot to do with the label that we were a part of, which was a label called Tooth and Nail, which emerged in the early '90s, and it kind of changed the face of what we call Christian music, and it and it really. It, it kind of it kind of created this new culture of, of bands that were doing stuff that was you know really edgy and a little experimental and so it kind of created this opportunity for bands of faith to kind of come in and you know enable them to be as creative as they can be and so they just sort of uh, they kind of came into the, the music industry and exploded in it and then expanded it so that bands like us now had some uh, creative voice and space to be heard within you know, what we would call, you know, evangelical culture. So, so yeah, that was kind of what happened. Well, was the, uh, was the band formed prior than you guys getting on with that label? Yeah. So it was kind of at the same time because we, uh, we had had some connections when the label was being formed because we were doing, you know, like a lot of musicians, you're involved with other projects and we had already been releasing records on other labels. And then this thing kind of came up and we were uh, fortunate enough just to get on the ground floor with the label as it was beginning and then starting to, emerge and then you know get really popular so we, it was a it was a it was a right place right time and that was such a great moment. like time in the yeah in the life of music like i think back some of my favorite bands were on tooth and nail yeah, absolutely of, you know pedro the lion yeah Damien was on it for a while just folks like that that uh were significant to me back then and are still significant today as i listen to music. yeah a lot of the so, artists are still really so vibrant and still writing and recording and uh yeah, it was a really, it was a neat time. It was mm -hmm. unprecedented 
for for anything we've seen before yeah. or since. And so it was fun to be a part of it. It really was. It lasted a long time too. So you know, this was a fifteen to twenty year you know run for me. It lasted a really long time. It was really great. One of the things I love about your your story, Ronnie, and and I think just about your your leadership path, your leadership journey, is there's always been this strong creative vein. Mm. So you know, you've written music, and uh, and you're also a writer. But to, you know, go back to the time where where you began to feel like there were things that were stirring in you, whether you were a believer or an unbeliever, and you began to feel like, you know what, I, I think I have to give, I, I have to find a way to get this out. What, what was going on then? And, and what was the medium you were choosing to express yourself? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. And that, that really serves really, uh, it's, it's really the story of how God kind of pulled me, I like to say kicking and screaming into ministry and this was you know this was a long time ago now but i think um you know getting the christian music industry is really strange because it's something that is really self-involved like like anybody that writes and records music but it also um it, it also can can kind of you know mask itself as being ministry and so i think um all those years that i was playing shows and involved with you know, all the things that you do, which are youth conferences and, and you know, you know, Christian festivals and all these types of things. Um, there's a there's a part of it that is is that you you really feel like I'm I'm recording and I'm writing and I'm devoting myself to something that is is having a really big impact on on, you know, kids or young adults. But at the end of the day, it really is career driven. And I think at some point, you know, in that I in that journey, I, the Lord really started, you know, just kind of, you know, coming down on me in terms of like the the the, the place of idolatry that it had become in my life. And so, you know, after so many years, and again, a long run in the industry of doing that, um, you know, He just started pulling me in, started convicting me. I mean, I, I would I was always, um, you know, I always held to my faith you know, in those years, you know, and it's an industry where a lot of guys don't do that. You mm-hmm. know, most of these guys have fallen by the wayside, to be quite honest. It's really, it's, it's, it's actually pretty tragic if, if, uh, you know, that's another story, oh, that is very but sad. the Lord had a lot of grace on me and always surrounded me with, uh, you know, with, with people that were kind of tugging at me and making sure that I was, uh, you know, that, that my faith was real. And so at some point, you know, again, the Lord just, uh, connected me with a really, really, uh, good church and uh and then just sort of started me on my path towards towards ministry but it but it was brutal you know just kind of coming out of that being in an industry where everything is all about yourself and everything you do is about you know uh, extending your career and you know making your name a little greater and more known and to come out of that into ministry was uh, it was a heck of a transition it still is yeah. I, I still fight with a lot of those things quite honestly so yeah. part of what you were encountering though was just observing the f- the fruitlessness of yes. some of that and saying absolutely i think if i'm going to make an investment of my time and my creativity i want to do it in something that's going to be lasting and and so you began to pursue pastoral ministry yeah and i would say it i would say it pursued me you know and i i got some opportunities to get involved in some music ministry kinds of things and that was my that was my front door uh, into it because that's just what I knew how to do. And then, um, you know, I think as that, you know, as that was happening, I had some really good people kind of introduce me to, you know, handing me what is Reformed Theology by R.C. Sproul, 
and things of that nature. And then um, again, it was really the result of uh, people at my church that had had a history with the music that I had done, some pastors literally reaching down, grabbing me, pulling me out and saying, what are you doing? What is all this stuff that you continue to spin, you know, spin around with? Like, is this, is this producing any fruit in your life? And I had to, at some point, look at them honestly and say, you know what, it really, it really causes me so much grief, and, and I, I, I don't realize it because I'm so sucked into you know, the whole system of it, which is really easy to do. And God really used these men, again, godly men that I'm still really good friends with, just to say, hey, we think that there's something more, and, and they just uh, they invested. So, so, so if there's, uh, there's a musician listening or you know, somebody that loves to write music or, you know, they're forming a band, they're young Christians and they're thinking, Hey, you know, what we want to do is we want to get with a label. We want to, we want to do concerts. We want to, we want to be able to make a life out of this because we want to serve Jesus. You know, what, what, what counsel would you have for them as somebody who's walked down that road? Yeah. I mean, that's, man, that's a great question. I, you know, it's like anything else, I think, um, it's you always have to be guarded about anything becoming something that it's not supposed to become. I think the problem uh, with doing something that puts you on a platform in front of people is that it just it's so it, it, it's something that's constantly keeping your ego at the forefront of your life. And it's a really hard thing to push against, hmm. you know, because we love that, don't we? I mm-hmm. mean, we that, that's that's what our hearts are drawn towards. And so when you're on a stage every night and again, you're just purely on a stage singing songs, um, checking out of the hotel, going to the next town. Um, it's something that after a while just turns you or it just actually heightens, you know, th- this level of, of narcissism that we probably all battle with. But this gives it a really good mm-hmm. opportunity for it to not only just be, um, you know, what the fruit of your life becomes, but actually people are helping you do it. You know, they're, they're making it easy for you mm-hmm. to be sold out to something that is really no different than anybody else that is, um, you know, pursuing something that is just so self-focused and self-involved. Now, I think a lot of people can do it and have good, you know, they, they can be moderate about it. I, you know, I just, it, it really just, it became an idol and I, I wasn't able to, uh, to maintain it well. I didn't do well with it. So, so yeah. how does that work itself out? So you went from having a platform, putting on shows, doing things like that. Here you are now a pastor in Ohio. Uh, what are the things that had to go away in your heart and in the way that you do things so that you don't view what you do now as a platform for Ronnie, rather a, a platform in a different type of, of manner, but what are the things that had to change? Because you're still up in front of people. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, what do you I have th- to still fight? Yeah, I think I still fight. I, I think I still have to fight the same things because I think I'm still I'm still wired as somebody who likes a lot of attention. And I, I'm, I feel more natural in front of people than I feel alone. I'm an extrovert, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just somebody that feels really, really at home in front of people. It's my it's I, I did it for so long. It's just naturally how I'm built and wired. I think in terms of it, you know, when you talk about pastoral ministry, it's different in the sense that you're you are now giving your life away to other people. Um, mm-hmm. So again, if you, if you're truly doing the work of a pastor, um, you know there is this consistent or or at least there's an awareness of this daily dying to self that is going to allow you to actually do the work of the gospel in ways that if you're just writing music, you're playing shows, you know you're, you're not 
you're not fee- you're not ra- you're not being as compelled to want to do that, you know. And I think some guy, I've hey, I've met musicians that play and that do really well with this, and um, because they have really good accountability and they have good men and pastors in their lives. I just didn't have that, mm-hmm. you know, during my time. I was always connected with a church, but what I did musically was always detached from the church. Yeah. I've met some guys that that keep it very attached, and I think they do really well with it. And that that just unfortunately wasn't my wasn't my experience with it. But. One of the things about your ministry now, though, is that you're still you're still producing, you're still creating, you're still uh, using that some of those creative gifts, and so it makes me wonder. Just you know, how how do you stir that the, that creative side of you? Um, you know, let's say there's there's pastors out there, and they're they're thinking, you know, I. I'd, I'd kind of like to write, but I don't really know how to get started. Or, you know, I kind of feel these yearnings and stirrings, but I'm not really sure how to give give voice to them. You know, how did that start for you? And, and what's the rhythm of your life look like now so that that creativity is being expressed? Yeah, I think I think the writing thing was just such a natural extension from, from writing music. So, um, you know, to write a song, it, it's a lot, it's, it's quite different, obviously, than if you're, you know, writing a book or an article or a blog post, but, but there are similarities, right? And it, and it definitely comes out of this desire to want to just make something from scratch, you know, which is what all creative endeavors really are. It's just, there's nothing there and now there is something. And I don't know, there's just something inside me that enjoys that, um, that, that process of just, uh, you know, that just, you know, that lump of clay and then molding something out of it. And, um, I would say for people that, um, for people that want to start writing and want to start doing these things, I think um, you know if if you're if you're a writer, you're going to write, right? Uh, there's you you will eventually do it because it's something that can't be contained; it has to come out. And um, so you know, let it come out, and don't be so careful about your words. Just start writing. Let it be. Let the good, bad, and ugly form itself as you're you know in you know as you're improving your craft. I think a lot of people get to this place where they they just get paralyzed. Because they think, well, I'm, it's never going to be good enough, and I got to get to this place before I can release it. I, I would say, I would say just the opposite. Just start writing, start releasing as much as you can, and let the actual, you know, uh, you know, creative, you know, thrust of it be what improves you. Because it's risky, isn't it? And you're opening yourself up for criticism, and that's just part of the game, right? Because not everybody's going to like what you do and what you write, and I think that that paralyzes people. Right? I think one of the ironies of uh pastoral ministry of particularly for guys that preach is that there's actually a lot of creativity that goes into preparing a message but you'll meet pastors all the time that preach regularly and they'll say oh i'm not creative i I don't have that and they don't realize that there's a there's a there's a serious creative process serious enterprise that goes on coming up with illustrations stringing things together bringing forward cogent thoughts and and thinking about how to convey God's word to, to people, and and sometimes that tra- can translate pretty e- translate pretty easily into writing, into blogging, into sure. you know other things that can be done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that'd be a question that I would have for you: is Do you view preaching in a similar vein? Do you view it as a creative process, or is that something that you you set aside certain pursuits of creativity and and just try to plow forward in a in a faithful, more consistent manner, or are you always trying to, to figure out different ways to come about something? 
Yeah, man, that's, I'm so glad you asked that question because that's been tough, you know, because I, when I was writing music, it was sort of a no holds barred. It does, I could do whatever I wanted, you know, you could be yeah. as obscure or as abstract. It was all in the name of art, right? So you can write about whatever you want. Um, it, it's only, it's, it's being judged on its own merit, right? But preaching is, it's, I think it's, you know, substantially different, right? Yeah. Because there, there, we, we are, we are preaching a very, you know, a very, in a sense, we're preaching a very narrow gospel, right? I, I mean, we believe it says what it says. Mm-hmm. And so there is a confinement to that. I think what you just said, Dave, is, is, is on point in the sense that the way that we do that, I think that's where the creativity sure. co- comes into it, you know, but I, I don't know. I'm still, you know, I, I, I'm still, I'm still finding better ways to do that. I, I mean, for me, it's about um, letting the, the preacher's personality come out uh, in, in the sermon without it dominating without it with, without it you know without it being the the primary truth of the sermon but i think it needs to be there mm-hmm. you know and so for me it's just how can i how can i be myself how can i be the most compelling version of myself that is going to be you know delivering the most compelling gospel you know one of the realities of uh of Having a creative pursuit these days is that it's often inextricably bound with, with so, our social media pursuits. Yeah, uh, we we create and then we want to get it out there. And one of the things that I've appreciated about you is I know you put a lot of thought into social media. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of the one of the articles that you wrote for Am I Called that was so helpful to folks was on this very topic Thanks. of social media. And so I just wondered maybe you could recap some of the convictions that you have, some of the things that God has shown you about the use of social media mm. that would be helpful for for pastors or emerging leaders that are thinking about how to use this in a way that's going to be edifying and helpful, but but not a thief of of time. Yeah, I think I'm still figuring some of that out. Um, I think for me, it's been um, a couple of things. It's been a way to encourage the congregation, you know, um, and I get I get feedback about that. So. You know, so there's a part of that that as you get feedback, I really appreciated that article you posted. I would have never found that or I appreciated that thought or that verse or a thought on a verse. And so as long as I keep getting that feedback from people and and most specifically people in the congregation that it's helpful to, I think I think that can be important. Um, And I think the other thing is just using it as a tool. Um, You know, we live in a smaller town. So, so, so having that social media presence, I mean, we're really the only church in our town that probably has the kind of social media presence that we have. And I hope that doesn't sound arrogant. I don't mean it like that. I mean it in the sense that we have people that just utilize that as a way to say, Hey, here we are and uh, come check us out. And here's things you can be a part of. Here's the things that we do. And so it's just a window into uh, the life of the church. And so I think if you do it in a way where you're always trying to glorify God and what you do, um, I, 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 think you'll, I think you'll stay on track with it. I, I think the things that I would be critical of are, um, you know, if it just turns into another platform building you know, exercise. And again, it doesn't mean you can never talk about yourself on social media. I think it's, it's okay to be funny and silly and all those things if you're okay with that. But, um, primarily if you're, if you're gifted to do it, if you're gifted to do it, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but I, but I see, I think the danger that I see, uh, with guys that are, you know, authors and, you know, speakers and that is that if that's the only thing that you're going after on social media is a way 
to uh, promote yourself and it just turns into a marketing machine. I would be critical of that for sure, you know. Jamie, have you read any resources or come across anything that's really helped you in thinking about the whole issue of pastors and social media? Social media. Well, yeah, I mean, some. I mean, the article uh, that you referenced uh, that that Ronnie did. I, I've actually listened to you on the Happy Rant, and I oh, okay. heard you guys talk about yeah. that. And I think it is a dilemma, especially for folks who who write. Uh, yeah. So I'm not an author, but sitting here with two men who are authors. Uh, understanding that that you do need to be responsible with and steward the gifts that God's given to you, and part yeah, of that is totally. actually letting people know about that. But what is that fine line? It, it seems to be a really thin line yeah. that that's hard to navigate through. And so there are folks that I know that that I have just stopped following. I don't know them, so I don't know their hearts, and I can't handle it. Seems the platform that's being pushed. And then there are other guys who might be doing the same thing, <laughs> right. but I at least know their hearts and I know them as people. Um, and that's probably uh, unfair to those that I don't know, but it, it's a, it's a unique thing that really has never had to be dealt with ever in We're the history out, of the right? world. We're still figuring and it out. And here you all yeah. are as authors, you're on the, the, the forefront of this and it's, it's sticky. It's sticky as, as an observer, as someone who, who doesn't have that type of a platform. Um, to I, watch I guys navigate people, through. Yeah, I admire people that can do it well. Um, yeah. in, in just trying to poke around with it a little bit, I've, I've found that I, I think the best things that I can say uh, through social media are typically things that other people have said better in the and, past. And you do that. I mean, and if so, you, yeah, you I try that. to I follow quote, you on Twitter and you're basically I'm trying quote to, other guys yeah, all Yeah, quoting time. books I've read and things. Because when I try to um, relate my life in a way that seems appropriate i find i have to think about it too long right. and so i feel like i'm not i'm not gifted in a way that i could just in one moment come up with, with a, in 140 characters some pithy way to describe this experience that i'm having right and so i feel like i just have to run at what i'm, I'm I, I can do which is i could remember some of the quotes yeah. that uh, i've read that have have impacted me Cause yeah, because we can't sit back there. We can't spend half our day just daydreaming about something that yeah. we're gonna hopefully tweet that everybody's gonna click on and like and and, and approve of. I know it's insane. Yeah, Ronnie, I'll make this the last question, uh, but I am curious because I know you and Ted Cluck just recently released, or a while back, yeah. a few months back, released a book called Bridezilla, which is a very unusual title. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and of course that's Yikes. a reference to the church. And yeah. so just tell us a little bit about, um, the, the title and, and what was your heart behind mm. the book? Well, both of us, we were, we were, uh, Ted and I, we wrote our, our that first book, Finding God in the Dark. That was a co-author. So we wrote that together and that, and, uh, we, you know, we've, we've had a relationship now for years and we were chatting about some things and, we had simultaneously had some uh, some church experiences that we'd come out of that were not great, and um, and so we we just found we were talking about it quite a bit, and um, it was funny we we referenced Ted's other book that he wrote with Kevin DeYoung, um, why we love the church, and and so we we had just been talking and we we got together at some point and I just said hey I, ha I have an idea what if we what if we kind of kind of take a cue from that book you wrote with Kevin, and we write about some of our experiences with you know, this, uh, this expectation we have when we're in a church that this is the safe place. This is the place that we can, you know, um, that we can find our most, you know, love and security, you know, with brothers and sisters in Christ. 
And yet, you know, we, we've not had that experience, you know, in what we just came out of. And, um, and then we started having conversations with other people and friends and found out, well, there's a lot of people that have this experience. And um, so we just wanted to write about it in not a, a negative way. The, the title's a little negative, but in a way that encourages people to say, um, look, your expectation should be when you are surrounded in the body of Christ that it's, it's not going to be all roses, you know? And I think we, we default to thinking that. And then when we are sometimes betrayed or we're hurt, it feels that much heavier because, again, we thought that this should never exist like this. And so we just wanted to write about some personal experiences with that and just see if it could, could help people. I don't, know if it, I don't know if it came off the way we were hoping. I mean, when does it ever, right? But uh, so, it, it, yeah. So, so check it out on Amazon, folks. Brides, is it just Bridezilla or is the Bridezilla of Christ? The Bridezilla of yeah. Christ. Okay. Yeah, it's probably an unfortunate title, but yeah, they, <laughs> they, 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 yeah. The, well, it's the, a memorable the one. The publishing yeah. house liked it, so we rolled with it. Yeah, yeah. Ronnie, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks for and, having and me. And Jamin, yeah. always good to have you here as Great well. Great to be here. Thanks. Folks, uh, just a reminder, tons of cool stuff for you happening over at micall.com. And, and one of the main things is that we are converting our online courses into a monthly subscription. So rather than just selling the online course, we're, ne- we're moving to a monthly subscription. So all of the goodness of that 36 hours of leadership teaching is going to be reduced now to just $4.99 a month. And that's going it's to be a happening. steal of just, a deal. It really well, is. I've watched it all. It's a steal. Well, thank you. I think it's great material, and I'm very excited about getting it out. And I'm even more excited about getting it out at a, at a, at a much lower price that I think is going to be more in grasp and more within the grasp of the people that we're trying to serve. So uh, Ronnie's stuff will be there as well because Ronnie's writes for amicalled.com as well as a lot of different podcasts we've done. We just did a podcast with Dan Allender. It was, he, he is a brilliant guy. Uh, check that out. Uh, Andy Crouch, others. We have one with Tripoli coming up. A lot of great things happening. So we hope you check us out at amicall.com. And thanks for listening today. Mm-hmm.